This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Many years ago, I remember a friend suggesting that there was a better method for running the fly line through my guides than the one that I was using. We were getting ready to fly fish a stretch of the Gallatin River in Montana, and so I attached my reel to my fly rod, pulled out some line, and I began trying to thread my leader through each one of the guides. Now, if you've been around fly lines and fly rods for a while, you know the difficulty, and you probably think, what an idiot. Uh, You're right. (laughs) Uh, Leaders are small in diameter, and they're clear. Uh, My friend Kevin said, here, try it this way. Uh, He grabbed a section of of the fly line itself, you know, much thicker and much more visible, and he doubled it over to make a small loop. Then he showed me how to force the loop through each guide. Then when I was done, I pulled the thin, invisible leader easily through the guide. And this was about five times faster than my method. no kidding. Yeah, besides the leader didn't slip through my fingers, fingers when I reached the top guide so that I had to start over. I always hated that. (laughs) You know, I don't remember uh, when you learned that because I don't think we were living near each other at the time, but I do remember the moment you shared the the hack with me. It ticked me off that you were, quote, helping me, unquote, (laughs) and I resented you for the afternoon, but then I swallowed my pride (laughs) and added it to my tricks. Oh, man, there are so many little tricks, little hacks like this that don't immediately come to the mind of a new fly fisher. So today, Dave and I are going to share some of the little fly fishing hacks that we've learned over the years. Now, even if you're a veteran, you might learn one or two which you didn't know. These little tricks can eliminate some of the frustration, and some of them will help you catch more fish. Uh, Dave, what's something that you've learned? Well, let me say something before uh, we give our first uh, hack All right. uh, for fly fishers. And the first thing is, what you probably learned by now if you listen to this podcast is that Steve and I are not part of the fly fishing literati. (laughs) Uh, We're not guides. We're not experts. We're just two guys that have fished together for a really long time. And uh, and so we both have day jobs. We both have kids in college and we we have lives outside of fly fishing. And we love fly fishing, but we're average on a good day. Absolutely, we're we're average. There's no doubt that's true. So the tips we have, we hope that, or the hacks we have, we hope that you actually add your hacks to these because I think together we're going to come up with a really great list. Yeah, that's right. We're we're kind of after uh, uh, newbies to fly fishing. It's just like any endeavor. There's so many little tricks to the trade that it's really frustrating at first until you start learning them. Absolutely. Yeah, here we go. Uh, First of all, use a candle to wax your rod ferrules. It makes it much easier when you insert one section of your fly rod, that's the ferrule, into another. Then simply twist and tighten. I tend to be so anxious, uh, you know, ready to fish and trying to get out there that I don't do these little things before. Or, uh, I go fly fishing and so right. there's a, you know you, if you pull those out and they're too tight they don't come out uh, nice and smoothly you could damage the yeah, rod you're right absolutely you really could. Uh, given my level of uh, you know tact and uh, I've never done that but I've I've snapped a lot of tips off you've broken a lot of rods yes, other I ways. Have. we I need have. to do a podcast <laughs> on that how Dave has broken rods <laughs> 
that's hilarious. Oh my word! It's depressing, actually. Oh goodness! Yeah, but then you get to buy a new. Uh, Absolutely, Orvis there's H. always an upside. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> so right. True. Well, here's another one. Again, before you ever get on the river, uh, throw a piece of carpet in your truck or in your trunk to stand on while you're putting on your waders. Uh, that's uh, that's really a big deal. Yeah, it sounds so obvious, but yep. um, it's nice because it keeps your truck or car cleaner yep. but it's really nice in the winter time especially when you're stripping down after being on the water for several hours and the parking lot is filled with snow yeah no kidding and the other thing too is if you don't have anything like that and you're just uh you know you, you've got your 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 waiter stockings on your uh you know on the gravel then you you pick up these little rocks and you know about five minutes into your walk down to the river you realize ah oh, you know i gotta take my boots off i got rocks in yeah, them no so, kidding. so anyway you will rise up and this thank us uh, greatly <laughs> for that that wonderful rise tip. up and call us blessed that's exactly okay right. the next hack is to wet your leader knot uh, before you tighten it if you don't, um, the friction potentially will weaken the leader as you pull it tight. You know, other than being a subpar fly fisher, uh, the, the number one reason I think that I lose bigger trout really goes back to how I tie my knots. And I can't tell you how many times when I've snapped something off and I look at where it actually broke, and of course it's right at the knot. And um, you know, you're just like, oh man, so wet you know, with spit or with the river, uh, wet that knot as you're pulling it tight and that, you know, you won't have that kind of friction that actually weakens the the leader itself. Yeah, there's something about that monofilament when it's pulled together that the friction just heats it up just in ways that you can't see or you can't imagine, but it really does. So here's another uh, just dynamite uh, uh, tip. <laughs> Not really, but it's important, and that is bring a big garbage bag for your wet stuff. And then leave it in your truck for two weeks until you finally remember to bring it in <laughs> oh we've done that that's miserable uh, but it'll again it'll keep your your other gear dry and it'll keep the the bed of your truck or the, the back of your suv a lot cleaner well i find when you and i uh like we'll fish yellowstone national park and we'll drive up to say tower fall and we park the car and we fish for all day we come back late and just by being able to have that garbage bag putting all that stuff in one place place and and it just separates it from the rest of your gear and doesn't and also reminds you when you get back that you have to pull that out and dry it out before you go out the next day or at least you know bring it into the garage or something here's something else once you get to the river and it's time to tie on a fly uh, I have to say I didn't learn this trick until a couple years ago and I think it was one of our guides that suggested this but uh, he said use the river as a visual backdrop for the knot that you're trying to tie or when you're you know you're trying to thread this 6x tippet which is a really really tiny fine uh, piece of leader you're trying to thread that through the eye of a size 18 hook I mean uh, hey I'm, I'm 54 we're, we're both yeah. uh, mid 50s and uh, my eyes are not what they used to be and uh, that's huge I mean sometimes uh, you know I, I try to use the sky as the backdrop or or something else but it's just amazing. Try this. And the next time you're out there, uh, use the river for the backdrop, and you can really see that monofilament. It's like it's backlit, and and it works. Yeah, it, yeah. it does. It's, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I just keep forgetting to do that. But the moment you do it, you have it, you know, you have the knot 
done and you're you're on to yeah that's really true the other uh another hack is to simply use polaroid sunglasses my lenses on my uh glasses are are progressives so um they tend to go to um they become dark when i'm outside in the sun but we don't need to put too fine a point on this it's just polaroid sunglasses work yeah they do uh, what they do is they create that contrast so when you're looking at the water instead of seeing that bright shine on it you're able to see into the water you can see uh, fish if, if they're there another one is to stand at the river's edge for a minute before you cast or step in. Obviously, this would be with a bigger river. Um, in smaller creeks, you're probably sneaking up on it. Um, but in the bigger river, don't just step into the river. Um, just look around first. Often, you know, you may want to cast because you may there might be some fish and some trout lie, lying right there uh, near the bank. That is so true. I remember two occasions where I caught fish right at the bank, and I would have. Uh, I would have spooked them if I had uh, done what I usually do, and that's just walk in to fish what I thought was the, the main run. I remember I was on the Gallatin River one day, I think it was in the fall, and I was uh, kind of looking for some browns, and I, I started walking up to this one section of river, and I saw this beautiful run, and, and I don't know why, but I, I just kind of stopped and, and looked, you know, right below me, here's this big 18 inch brown just wow. feeding right in the shallows and so I kind of backed up a little bit and threw a woolly bugger out there stripped it by him and, and he took it and then another time uh, I was out on the uh, on the bear trap and I know you weren't with me that time I was by myself and usually a run that Dave and I fish we have this great rainbow run and it's about oh maybe what 15 yards into yep. the, the river yep. and and I was getting all set to, to walk out to that and I think it was the rocks along the edge that made me slow down and as I'm you know just trying to make sure I have my balance here about five feet in front of me there was this little rock and there were two or three trout rising honestly I don't think I caught them that day but uh, at least it's I got a great to reminder yeah I got to fish for them because I'm I'm the worst at that you know me Dave I have the reputation of being <laughs> the, the charge ahead yes and you do get to the next run and exactly. the next hole Get ahead of Dave. That's right. Yeah, that's really the truth. So I I have to discipline myself to do it. But I think, too, when you do that, you just become aware of of your surroundings. It's not just scaring fish or not scaring fish sometimes you'll start to see some rise somewhere else you're realizing hey there, there's some feeding on the surface and i was i was going to use nymphs here but hey it looks like maybe there's some blue wing olives coming off and there's there's a pot of fish over there so it's, yeah don't hurry yeah it's so easy to be or easy not to be mindful yeah and it's part of our lives and we just bring that to fly fishing and you just okay mm-hmm. i'm going to start fly fishing and 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 consume it and yeah. in so doing, you miss some opportunities to catch some fish. Here's something else, too, is you're fishing and you catch a fish. You've got a trout on the end of the line. A uh, lot of photos or, or I don't know if it's photos or just because I've seen it done. But, you know, fly fishers will hold their rods straight up and it's up at this 90 degree angle, you know, from the, the water. The problem with that is you could break your tip if that yeah, fish absolutely. makes a sudden movement. Uh, this is something that Gary Borger really helped with 
with, man, he is a scientist and he's really thought through a lot of the physics of this as well as uh, the, the biology with the trout themselves, but just the physics of how rods work and how they're designed. If you move your rod down to about a 45 degree angle, in other words, instead of your rod tip pointing straight up to the sky, uh, you are, are pointing it out. So it's about a 45 degree angle with the surface of the water. That's going to put the pressure on the midsection of the rod. And in that way, you're not going to be breaking that tip off. Uh, that way, uh, you're, you know, you're making that trout uh, fight a little bit more. You're, you're putting some pressure on. So you're really making the rod work for you. Yeah, you do. I mean, there, there's times when you, you put that rod tip straight up, but then, you know, if you want to ease off in some tension, but then when, when you're ready to maybe to haul that fish, uh, you, you want that rod at a 45. And that actually brings up something else too, um, why you would do that, because there is a time to play that fish to get that fish tired yeah. out so you can bring that fish in uh, more quickly and then uh, release it before it's worn out. The way to do that is to pull the fish to the side. And, and I know we've talked about this in, in a previous podcast, but some of you may be listening to us for the first or yep. second time. Uh, pull that fish to the side. You know, for years, I would just pull the fish toward me and I would, you know, I would lift up my rod and, and uh, in effect, I'm pulling the fish up but what you want to do is to pull them to the side that's what really tires them out one more hack on bigger rivers i think it's important to take the time to fly fish up from where the people put out of the river great point if there are a lot of drift great boats point. in the river uh, most likely they haven't fly fished the last mm -hmm. 100 yards before they get out mm -hmm. and one of my tendencies is to always want to walk up two miles right or three miles yep. away from from folks but sometimes um, where people are actually getting out of the water just fly fish up from there on the you know near the public access if it's a public access uh, area fly fish up 100 yards. Sometimes you'll find great little runs that have not been hit. That's really true. I remember we did that a couple of years ago. We were fishing uh, just south of Livingston. You go through the canyon and kind of the mouth there where Paradise Valley uh, appears. And we were fishing at Carter's Bridge. Oh, and yeah, that's yeah, a, yeah. That's a place where a lot of people either put in or they take out. And I remember walking up that river just to, just that first 100, 200 yards. And we actually had some rising fish, had some action that afternoon. And, you know, by then the, the drift boats, yeah, they're getting ready to take out and you know you've had a big day fishing and, and you want to make sure that you you know you're getting all your your gear together so you can jump out of that drift boat and uh and, and go someplace like uh sir scott's oasis no the chop house what's yes, the, chop yes, house the, the ribbon chop house the ribbon that's, chop that's house where you're gonna go so uh, uh that's what's on the mind of by all the way fly fishers. yeah by the way you, the more you learn about two guys in a river you realize it's all about yeah. where you eat after you fly fish that's right we may be mediocre fly fishers, but I'll tell you what, we are culinary uh, experts, Absolutely. aren't we? Absolutely. That's right. Especially steak, fries, you know, those. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Speaking of. Well, here's another really important hack. Don't even know if this is a hack, but, um, you know, purchase a thin, smaller thermos. You know, you have the bigger thermoses, but there's some really nice, smaller, thin thermoses. You know, we're all about making hot chocolate. That's right. And throwing that in the fanny pack or in the sling pack and I can't tell you how many times it, it was like Christmas when you're out yep. there and it's you know you're fly fishing in 20 degree weather and you pull that thing out of your backpack mm -hmm. and it's just 
I mean, there's nothing that tastes better than yeah, that. Yeah, I know. And, I, mean, I don't know if this is a hack, but it's a, it's a gift when you're out there. Oh, wow. It sure is. <laughs> You've been out there for four or five yeah. hours. You pulled that out. Yeah, that's right. So. And finally, bring a fresh pair of socks. Uh, we talked about this in a recent podcast, but it, it really is a great idea. Yeah, sure is. So after a day on the water, um, sometimes before you even start to hike back, um, if you've been out two, three miles, you know, change socks. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, um, there's just something really wonderful about it. Yeah, and refreshing it about those final three miles if you got a fresh pair of socks. It does, and I think it helps uh, avoid blisters as well. All right, that will do it for today. What little fly fishing hacks have you learned over the years? Please tell us by going to twoguysinariver.com and commenting on this podcast link. What tips do you have to make fly fishing a bit easier or to give yourself an edge? You can find Two Guys in a River on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast feed on your mobile phone or tablet. The most common app that's used by our listeners is podcasts and we publish uh, a new podcast every week and a new article and we'd love for you to subscribe to our feed well thanks again for listening i'm steve Matthewson, and i'm dave getz until next time we are two guys in a river for the love of fly fishing mm-hmm.